Live from the Shanker Law of South County. Coming to you from Rustin Tustin in the state of disrepair. In the morning, Nathan Penetration. In the morning, Brian Black. We've had some big life changes. Been really busy. Missed a couple of shows. Let's talk about nerdy stuff. All right. Did you, did you, um, you were looking at buying or renting a, a VPS or some type of game server recently and you were looking at Vulture. What was your decision? Uh, well, they're definitely the cheapest as for as far as performance goes. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just, I was kind of always resistant to paying for a, uh, you know, some, uh, cloud provider. And I, I don't know at this point, it's like, I'm going to be moving soon. I don't really want to reuse all that hardware again. I'd rather just, just get rid of it. And so the only game that I really care to host a server for is day of infamy. And when insurgency sandstorm comes out, I will definitely host a server for that. Um, so if I wanted to host a, you know, more than 10 slot server, it's not going to be worth me paying basically a dollar a slot. Cause that's kind of the standard really, you know, over 99 cents a slot. I'm not going to pay 20 to $24 a month for a full server. So that'll run locally. Um, and then the, uh, like the co-op, uh, maps, you know, which are eight player max. That can I host that on a minimum to, you know, like I, I think they, the lowest they do is 10, uh, 10 slots on, um, what was that? What was that service? Ping uh, perfect. Ping perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. If you just <clears throat> like, you want some system that is completely turnkey, you don't give a fuck about how the rest of the backend stuff works. It just works. That's yeah. what they do. Yeah. I think that that's the pricing structure. All those gaming VPS uh, or whatever they call themselves, all those providers have, it's really dumb. Charging per slot is retarded. I think that the tuggerhosting.com pricing structure is like, it's way better. You pay, I think exactly, I don't know what the prices are. You, you have to go to the website. Uh, you pay more, but you pay a flat rate and you get basically unlimited slots on two servers along with a mumble server. So, yeah. So that's the advantage of going with, uh, it's a breakage culture. model. It's a, I'm talking about tugger hosting in terms of comparing it against, uh, what should we call it? Ping perfect. But all the vulture VPS, uh, their plain Linux servers, the performance has decreased because of, uh, what do they call that exploit? The specter and meltdown patches to the Linux kernel have reduced the performance to a point where a 32 player server is kind of cramped. It lags mm. when everybody spawns and they all start running out. Something happens with that peak CPU load causes <laughs> it to just shit the bed. That's funny. Did you hear that um, NVIDIA's new cards that they're coming out with Channel apparently are going to be uh, programmed to uh, prevent uh, mining 
that's a bunch of bullshit. I, yeah, I don't know how they would do that, but maybe they're they could tell like based based on the load on the GPU, like maybe they can tell what if it's mining, you know, and then it can just shut off whatever it's the, the cores or whatever it is. Why would they do that? I think they don't want to. What is it called? They just want to charge the, you more for the a, pro, their pro GPUs? No, I think they don't want to alienate their customer base that made them what they are, which is gamers. I mean, that's me being like, you know, optimistic. If I was cynical, then yeah, they're probably just trying to create yeah, separate models. That's bullshit. They're trying to, but, they're trying to make separate pricing tiers. If you're going to make money from the GPU, then we're going to charge you this much. If you're going to play games and do everything else, we're going to give you all of our other GPUs at the normal prices and they're going to burn out in two and a half years when they overheat. I think that's what I don't understand is why don't they just lock SLI configurations at like two cards and then that way these, the miners can't take advantage as much. Well, they could just run them independently. It's a parallel job anyway. They don't need to SLI them. They get more performance per machine, though, if they SLI them. If you have a bunch of machines... Wouldn't it be the same? With... If they had four GPUs? No, because then you have less uh, power supplies running. I guess it... I don't know if you would actually save energy in that regard, but... I guess if you had one... I don't even know what kind of power supply you would need if you were going to do three, like three SLI'd, uh, you know, 1080 GTXs. I would think you would need probably at least an 800 watt. But who knows? If those things are running full blast, like you would need to do with mining, then I don't even, I don't know what kind of power supply would be able to handle that. I don't really believe this, this story. I'm going to have to see. What do they call these? Amper? Ampere? I don't know. But I'm probably going to upgrade to one of those cards. 2070 or 2080. Well, the good news is the JavaScript miners that mine Monero won't be able to run when you go to those porn sites that use it. So that'll save you one whole... Oh, actually, no, that's CPU-based, not GPU-based. Never mind. (laughs) Have you heard about that? No. Rather than put ads on sites, some sites are using JavaScript miners to super inefficiently uh, mine Monero through JavaScript. Huh. And in theory, they're... And, what, and Monero, I, I haven't heard of that cryptocurrency. It's, just, What's it's it another worth? one. I don't know. It must be easier to mine, and then people convert it. For a couple of pennies and something else. I don't know. It can't be that profitable because it's JavaScript. Super inefficient. By the time somebody's done looking at a page, it probably resulted in nothing. And if it was super easy, then it would be valueless. Yeah. Um, I've been using YouTube TV been paying for it 
last two months and i like it it's really good it has like the easiest to navigate interface it has three tabs at the top one is your library one is like the home menu that gives you like uh basically a breakdown kind of like in netflix how they have categories broken down you know like dramas comedies you know stuff like that like they have it based on movies and tv shows broken down in those categories um they have like a whole bunch of free movies um the nicest thing is that basically every single show is already recorded what you do is you have a library and you favorite a channel and then every episode of whatever show is on that channel is then going to be recorded and it's going to be accessible for you for all those episodes are going to be accessible for you in that library so you don't have to record anything. You just basically favorite all the channels you want, and then you can go back and watch anything you want from those channels. The, the now, fact that they're positioning it as recording is really pretty funny. It's not recording. It's just it's it's already there. Yeah, you're it's, just bookmarking a file in their file system. It's really cool though. I like that. That is cool. Um It's YouTube too, so it's gonna be good. Yeah, and they keep adding uh channels to it, which is nice. Um and I have a Google Home Mini, so with the Chromecast, I can basically automate the whole uh, YouTube TV. I could tell it what you know what channel. That was I my want. next question. I was gonna say, what device are you playing this on? So it's a Chromecast. Yeah. A lot of TVs have Chromecast built in too, because they um, couldn't get Android TV off the ground. Yeah, it's interesting. That's a it's a pretty good standard sort of standard uh open source thing whatever maybe it's licensed i don't know but you you, i think you're basically sending a url and then it fetches the file one thing i'm done i'm uh uh disappointed about is that i heard when youtube tv first came out and i've actually found website articles from like six months ago that referenced this youtube red was supposed to be included with youtube tv subscriptions and at some point, I guess they just stopped offering them. And so I went in with the expectation that I was going to get YouTube Red with YouTube TV. And it's it's a separate service that I don't have access to. That's too bad. That probably yeah. undermines the way they're going to uh, make money on that service. Because they're going to probably charge you and then eventually introduce ads and then raise the prices and then introduce more ads. It'll progress exactly like the cable companies did. Yeah, I'm just waiting for Google Fiber to come to this area. It's already in Irvine. Speaking of TV stuff, did you hear that Strike Back is coming back? Yeah, I think we I talked think about I, it. I think I brought it up. Yeah, yeah, different cast. Yeah, I'm gonna look up the trailer right now. I saw the. Tra- it looks pretty good, actually. It's gonna have a lot of the same stuff. Strike I don't know if they're gonna have this. I don't know if they're gonna have the same chemistry though. Should I play it? Uh, we can just leave it in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. It's a minute and forty seconds. That's too long. New cast. Did Wait, you watch Philip an episode? Winchester discusses returning for Strike Back reboot. Who is that? Uh, I guess uh the guy that plays Stonebridge is coming back. 
I don't know if he's going to be like a, a regular, but that's cool, I guess. Stonebridge is the Br- the British guy. It's really confusing because the American guy's Australian. Yeah. And the British is American. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> you know what was really weird? Did you see Black Panther? No. I'm not going to spoil anything, but the guy that, uh, the white, the one white guy that's in it, literally the only white guy, uh, did you ever see the British office? The office? Yeah. I don't know the cast, he, but he was the guy that played Jim's character and he was also the Hobbit, the guy that played the Hobbit. And he was in the first season of Fargo. Well, anyway, he is like, he's got gray hair in it and, um, God, where was I going with that? <laughs> I just had a brain fart. Um, uh, Oh, the, uh, the guy that, what was that zombie movie that he did? Um, no, I'm confusing with somebody else. I don't know. Let me change the topic. Strike back was great (laughs) though. Yeah. I missed that show. Oh man. By the way, I finished, I, I watched the rest of uh banshee the final season and the final like three episodes sucked ass they were not it was not satisfying at all like the the finish is this a spoiler no this it's not oh well, well was I, I was gonna i said no spoiler that's what i remember saying and i was talking about i was gonna talk about that guy from black panther but i don't know where I was yeah the only about. white guy yeah uh by the way yeah that movie was boring had its moments but it was boring i bought a Um, wetsuit oh yeah you're gonna go surfing yeah Yeah, you're gonna freeze your ass off pacific ocean's like the coldest ocean (laughs) yeah it's cold even in the summer. In like I'm gonna August. feel my balls just recede into my up to my chin. <laughs> uh, yeah, I almost panicked getting out of that wetsuit. You have to squeeze your ass through your the head hole. <laughs> <laughs> when I was trying it on, I had I've never worn a wetsuit, and I never actually even thought about how you get into one. And then I was looking at it, I was like, there's no hole in the ass. There's, there's, this is the only hole. I felt like an idiot. And then when I tried to get out, it's kind of like when you get stuck in your t-shirt and you panic. Like, I couldn't get the thing, the hood off my head. I couldn't get my arm out. Oh, yeah. I was ready to bust out the knife and just cut that thing free. But I did it a second time and it was a lot easier. I just didn't know it was going to be that difficult. And then I sweat in it, so I soaked it. it. It felt like the thing had just been in the pool because it stops all air from circulating. It must be what it's like to get um, locked in like a vacuum. Isn't it the case? Well, I've heard that when humans are exposed to a vacuum, they like boil. The, the, uh, like the liquid on your tongue boils or something. 
from your own body. Because there's no air to wick away the the heat from the moisture. Huh. I don't go like I, I haven't like I go in the ocean, but I go out like maybe like at the most like just above elbow deep. That's it. I like to go under the waves and kind of swim a little bit, but I don't go far enough out to get caught in the current. That's why I don't like surfing because I get I get weirded out about getting caught in a current. You know, like yeah, that. you can't fight it. No, you just have to let it, it takes take you away. Yeah. The nice thing is, at least with a surfboard, you got something to hold on to when that happens. Yeah, if you're still conscious. Apparently, you have to put your hand like your hands up and cover your head. Because another surfer can come by and just oh, hit yeah. you in the head and kill you. Oh, yeah. Or knock your teeth out. Yeah. I didn't realize that there were so many like unwritten rules. Apparently, there's uh, some type of etiquette for taking a wave. So there's some order to it. I don't know. I'm, I'm still learning. Crazy new job. You like it though? Yeah. It's more of what I have been doing. I'm not going to talk about it on the show though. Except for the surfing and maybe the mountain biking. I went to Seattle uh, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, Interesting city. I, I went there four four years ago in the yeah. summertime, but I hadn't been in there in the wintertime. Is there more poop? It's a lot prettier in the summertime. <laughs> wintertime, it's all the trees are dead. I mean, it's still cool, but it's it has its charm, but it's not as nice in the wintertime. And it was about like 40 degrees, maybe. The high was like 42 Actually, maybe it got up to like 48 during the daytime. Uh, but the, the wind coming off the sound is like bone chilling cold. It's just like, it sucks. And so we uh, stayed right in the middle of downtown, which and which is like really close to the Space Needle. It was like two blocks away. Of course, it was closed when we got there because they're remodeling the restaurant or something at the top of it. So... We uh, decided to drive down towards the uh, airport, and that's where the Boeing uh, facility is, their headquarters there. And uh, we went into the museum there. It's the Museum of Flight, but it's in Boeing's uh, facility. And uh, they had like a, a SR-71 Blackbird there, like just the thing is, you know what, you know what I'm talking about? It was like the first uh, supersonic... Like yeah. stealth plane. It's the really uh, phallic plane. It's fucking cool looking. If, oh, you, yeah. see, if you actually see one in person. It looks it really fast. It, yeah. I think it goes over 2,000 miles an hour. Yeah, I think the top speed is indeterminate. <laughs> yeah. It looks alien. It doesn't look like it was created by humans. Um, well, it probably it had, was. Yeah. Definitely if you want to speculate about the grays. It was, it was developed in like what the 50s? The Blackbird? Probably. I don't, I don't really know. 
Consult the book of knowledge. Uh, it was introduced in 1966, so... Yeah, it was probably being worked on before that, then. Or, obviously. It was introduced, then. That's impressive. Yeah, I think the first really cool. scramjet experiments were in the 50s. So, yeah, they had the that. 60s. They had uh, replicas of, like, Charles Lindbergh's plane, uh, Amelia Earhart's plane. This is just, like, the foyer, like, when you first walk in, like, after you get your ticket. They had, like, uh, I, I can't even remember everything. So then you go across, like, the skywalk, and then they have, like, this outdoor facility. And they have a Concord there, which is, like... I think it's the only one they have in the United States that you can actually like board and walk around on. Uh, you you remember what the Concorde was, right? Yeah, the really fast commercial flight plane that they yeah. retired in like two thousand one. Yeah, because it crashed. I guess I was ta- I asked the one of the people at work there like what happened because uh, I know they crashed, but I guess on takeoff, one of the wheels, the rubber, uh, blew off. And then it got sucked into the jet engine and then it, or the, I'm sorry, the rocket engine. And then the, I guess it, it blew like shattered and then the interior of the engine broke apart and then it just kind of like collapsed on itself. And then, yeah. And then so on takeoff, it like the, the whole wing blew off and then it it crashed on the ground. So it wasn't even a fault of the plane. It was a fault of the wheels coming off. That's a fucking fault of the plane. Yeah, but it was the rubber on the tires. It could have been a bird for all they know. Yeah. Well, those were actual rocket engines on that thing. So, And he said that it was so loud, the only one that ever flew out of that airport there, the Boeing airport, he said it was like 1989. It was so loud, it set off all the car alarms in the surrounding area. And like the, the cars that were closest to the runway had the, their windows uh, broken. Like cracks them and stuff. Wow. So I think it was a combination of they were too expensive to make, too expensive to maintain. They were insanely loud that only like a few airports could actually have them. You could never have them at, at like, you know, nationwide. Um, but it's a shame because that was like the pinnacle of passenger travel. You get from New York to London in three hours. And join the Mile High Club. Yeah. Well, I don't know. If you've walked inside one of those things, they're super small, super narrow. It's only two rows of seats and two seats on each side. Oh. And you kind of got to like crouch when you're walking in it a little bit because it's not very tall. They had to make the thing super aerodynamic, so... It, the space inside was secondary. So in contrast, next to that, they had a 747 and then they had a Boeing 787 Dreamliner. And that thing was bigger than the 747 and it was the smallest version of the 787. And its wingspan was like, it, it had two, like we took a picture of us standing next to the engine because the, the 747 had four engines this thing had two engines and they're like the size of like uh, an, uh, an apartment each engine i'm looking at pictures of it right now 
That is very impressive. And that plane is composite materials. I think Adam Curry talks shit about on it on uh, yeah. No Agenda. Yeah, he definitely does. He calls it the plastic plane. Yeah, it's all composite. It's weird. The wings bend on it when it flies. They kind of like arch upward. Yeah, I see that in the pictures. Wow. When you step inside it, it's insanely big how much space there is. So they have a perfectly good Dreamliner just sitting there? Yeah. Here. Tell me if they had anything about this. The Corona Project. Look at the dates on this. 59. This is a super early attempt. I don't know if Boeing was involved in this. They probably were. Uh, a super early attempt at recovering satellite uh, reconnaissance photos. Huh. They'd, they'd send a, a satellite up, take pictures, and then shoot it back into the atmosphere. And they would intercept it with a fucking plane as it wow. falls back into the atmosphere. That's impossible. How do they do that? Is it a net? I'm, I'm looking at the pictures here. It would parachute in, so they had a certain amount of time. They could do like a couple of passes, and they had something along the lines of like the sky hook, and they would, oh, okay. they would try and grab one of the tethers, I guess. I don't know how they did it. That just seems like dumb luck. And there's only maybe a couple that they couldn't intercept, but they would retrieve these like equivalent of like gigapixel images on film, super high res stuff. But they did that all the way up into the eighties. Shooting film back into the atmosphere. And that's why the SR 71 was such a big deal. Just a side question. When you have a camera that can take a gigapixel picture, how do you, adjust what what enables the lens to be able to capture that in the camera like what, uh, what they just had like perfect lenses and a larger piece of film i guess huh. everything has to be super clear uh get the right so if it was speed. A, if it was a digital camera then it would have to be all processing power or memory or what uh you need a larger sensor just a big bat, like a large format sensor. So you could have uh, more photoreceptors at the same, let's say that they're like the same photoreceptors per inch. If you just get a larger sensor, you're going to have a higher pixel count, so to speak. But now you have to rebuild the the where all the lenses focus because they're focusing the light into one spot. And if it's all designed around 35 millimeter or a quote unquote full frame sensor, then you're talking about <clears throat> something the size of a male thumb, just like a postage stamp size sensor. And then when you're talking about a phone, that is like a fraction of your pinky nail. Hmm. So with these, with these optics, who the fuck knows? I don't know how that stuff works. And I don't know how they'd be able to pull off any uh, photos at night. Maybe they can't. 
But the SR-71 was such a big deal because they could go really, really high altitudes, fly faster than any missile, so they couldn't get shot down, and they could just scoot around up there, shitting in their spacesuit, and <laughs> <laughs> taking some pictures, go into completely denied areas, and then evade anybody that notices them. But most of the time they won't get noticed because they're too high up. The only thing up there is just a bunch of aliens. Sorry, sorry, space debris. <laughs> 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 the greys yep. tall blondes and the uh, what it? Ar- Arcturians are they uh, are they from the ninth planet they're the good guys oh are they okay they're our stewards or no we're <laughs> we're, we're the stewards they're the uh, the the master or overlords whatever are they collecting bitcoin now instead of gold <laughs> <laughs> I think we've reached our pinnacle. We're beyond gold. We need to eliminate carbon from the atmosphere so that they can uh, terraform. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of the elites can retreat to Antarctica and that'll be their... Uh... Have you seen that? That area in Antarctica where like there's cruise ships and shit that go there and they stop there. And there's... No. Uh, supposedly John Kerry was there. Where do you go in Antarctica if you're a diplomat or a politician? You go. They're not to... going to go to some hovel in the fucking snow. They're going to go to a nice ass place. So you know that there's gonna there's a nice ass place down there. There's probably this underground facility where all I the elites nice. can return. They can all return there, and then they can wait till the dust settles. You know, they're probably checking up on their investments because that's the next frontier in oil exploration. Yeah, they won't. They don't want us melting the uh, Arctic or the the Arctic. Uh, what is it? The the glaciers or whatever, because that's where their bases are. Have you ever listened to the Moon Law podcast? Because they discuss the treaties on Antarctica. The Moon Law. Yeah, there's podcast? a podcast. It, it, yeah, check it out. It's called Moon Law. It's a good podcast. They talk about laws and the moon. The Moon Law podcast. Alan Blanco and Chris Harris. That sounds right. Is there a moon? Like, is there a background? As the album art? It's a new podcast. I've only got 29 episodes. That's it. Yeah. They talk about aerospace stuff and the laws of. It, like the equivalent of the law of the sea in space. Hmm. And they talked about uh, that Tesla, no, the uh, SpaceX thing where what's his face sent his uh, spaceman in a car up into space. Uh, Did you see the Elon? Yeah. Elon. <laughs> <laughs> All the, uh, the stupid videos. Maybe we might've talked about this in one of our group chats. There's all these people that think that the uh, Tesla car was in a sound stage or something and that they cut the broadcast, some bullshit like that. No. Oh, you should look that up. Oh, it was Adam Curry. That's who was saying it, but it's a couple of frames where you see the Tesla obviously in some type of enclosed chamber. And then all of a sudden it like goes all white. And then it's out in space. And what happened 
was that's the shot in pure darkness inside of the uh like the cargo container or whatever it is that however they launched this thing and then once it opens it's being exposed to the fucking sun so it whites out the screen everything internally got illuminated for like the two frames that it shot open and then the thing was out the payload was out in space and david david bowie starts playing and it just sits there spinning did you find any hmm. videos on it no it's it's not that worth it once you realize that that is because you're seeing the inside of uh you're seeing like the the cargo bay doors open essentially but from the shot it looks like it's in some type of studio and they're they forgot to turn the green screen on <laughs> all it's right. probably all the uh the flat earth trolls that are saying that stuff do you have to go yeah i gotta go in a minute all right bring your wallet.com slash contact for feedback and suggestions bring your wallet.com slash donate to support the show and share the show see you next week so i don't know.